0: So, hey guys, welcome back to Return of Rituals Season 2. I am your host, Amber Winston, and I am so honored to have such an amazing guest with us here today. I'd like to welcome Sushma Saga.
1: Hi, Amber. Thanks for having me.
0: Oh, it's so wonderful to have you. I think you look fabulous for those of you who can't see you. You're wearing this amazing outfit, these glasses, this jumper. I just I just wish I was in England with you having a cup of tea.
1: <laughs> well, I'm glad you like it. This is my clinic. This is my clinic look. <laughs> Circa 1977. (laughs) It's
0: fabulous, you guys. It looks so good. I love it. It's like a red jumper and these beautiful glasses or spectacles. Um, So, you guys, Sushma and I met in Germany uh, in 2018 when we were finishing up our medicine wheel training at the Four Winds Society. And, um, you know, I just think that when I first met you, I just instantly clicked. I was like, I love everything she says, the way she speaks, like her her story, (laughs) what she's done in her life. Like I was just so connected to you. And I think obviously, you know, me having kind of my European English roots, I'm always like even more like, I want to hang out with you because you have the accent and you live in England and, um, you know, for those of you that know me, I am a dual citizen, but I've grown up in Southern California and look very Southern Californian. I sound very Southern Californian, but really at my heart, you know, I think culturally I'm, I'm very English. So whenever I get together with soul sisters that live in England, it's like, um, like I'm like a kid in a candy store. Um, so that's how we met, but you know, you're doing some amazing things right now. You're about to publish your new book. Um, you have an amazing clinic I- in London. And so for those of you who don't know you, I'm just going to introduce you and, and read your bio. So you. Sushma Saga is a Reiki master teacher. She's shamanic, a shamanic medicine practitioner and the founder of London's Harley Street-based healing practice, the Calmery. She is a master teacher in both Usui and Holy Fire Reiki healing methods, having been trained by a master with a direct lineage to the founder of Reiki, Dr. Usui. As a former global fashion brand director, hence the amazing outfit today, guys, um, (laughs) she successfully juggled a healing life and a corporate life for many years and used energy healing as an antidote to workplace stress. She believes passionately in the transformative power of energy healing and launched the Calmery with a vision to demystify the practice, taking it out of the weird and into the weekday. She made it her mission to bring it to mainstream attention to encourage people to take it up. Her approach is fresh, practical and down to earth, meaning that she can engage even the most cynical of her clients. She writes regularly for publications and has been featured in national press for her work, Elle, Marie Claire, Glamour, Psychologies, Daily Mail, Metro, Evening Standard, New York Post, and more. Sushma often appears on panels as an expert healer, as well as hosting regular teaching sessions, events and workshops in the UK and internationally. Wow.
1: <laughs> <laughs> That's I feel an entire style. I feel tired listening to that.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Well, you know, I, I think you're doing some amazing stuff and yeah, I just love that you, you know, you worked in fashion for so long. It's, it's such a unique story, you know, from, from fashion to healing, like, wow, let's, let's totally dive into that. But before, before we get there, um, the first question I like to ask guests on Return of Ritual is what's your Mm -hmm. astrology sign?
1: Mm. i I'm a Leo. I'm a summer baby, August Leo. And do you resonate with that sign? Um, I think I do in the sense they always say, don't they? Big heart, big head. Um, I don't think I'm that flamboyant, you know, as the sort of typical stereotypical Leo um personalities are meant to be but I do I do feel quite big-hearted and open-hearted if you see what I mean in that sense um but I think I've got a little bit of Virgo going on that makes me a bit particular about stuff so I I do it in some ways and not in the stereotypical way but certainly you know I feel like there's half of me that is extrovert and then there's like a razor-sharp other half that is fully introvert and i'm like bang in the middle of both so sometimes yes and then sometimes no but i like it as a sign i like it i think leo's are generally quite warm and um mm-hmm. and friendly people i've always liked other leos as well yes. there's no competition yes. so I, yeah i love i love leos i married a leo um and oh, of course yeah, have yes, a really. lot of fun
0: with Leos. Like I just, you know, it's such a fun sign. And you're right, super big-hearted, um, yeah. you know, charismatic, loving, you know, laughing, you know, just very I've always loved the Leos for sure. Um, and it's no surprise. What are you? Really, Am- what, what are that, you,
1: Amber? I can't I'm, remember what you're
0: I'm are. a cusp baby. Again? So I'm Aries Pisces cusp. Okay.
1: So yeah, March. 21st. Aries, I know. I, I know Aries so my dad's an Aries. Like really smart, really passionate, very mm. um, sexy actually. Not that my dad's sexy, but you know what I mean? Like kind of they have that that thing. They have that thing, I think. They can, yeah. you know, because they're leaders and they they know their shit. Wow. So, Thank you. (laughs) Well, in the Aries that I've met, they've always been like that. So yeah, Yeah. it's attractive. It's attractive sign. Oh, thank
0: you. Yeah. I feel I've, um, you know, I've danced the line between the Aries and the Pisces bit because, Uh um, you know, the Aries is very much my driven, you know, kind of get shit done kind of mentality Uh leader style. And then Uh I feel like my Pisces has very much been the healer, right? The the emotional, yeah. the watery, the receptive, the magical. Yeah. It's kind of balancing I see those that. two.
1: I can see both of those in you for sure, yeah. I know, I love the sign. It's the, and I feel like everybody that
0: I talk to in Return of Ritual, it just, it makes so much sense. Like the little mm. signs that have come through in each of the episodes. But um, yeah. I have a feeling that this is gonna be a very big-hearted, loving conversation.
1: So. Nah, for sure, <laughs> for sure. <laughs> we have so um, much shared history. I know. So the next, the next question that I
0: have is really about ritual and ceremony. And so for those of you who have been listening to season one and you're back for season two, you've heard me say this before, but for those of you that are new and just tuning in, you know, the real passion behind Return of Ritual was this observation that ritual and ceremony really was at the heart of many civilizations and cultures across time, right? Like that was just an integral part of the way that communities were established. There were rituals and ceremonies that were at the center or the heart of the community. And Mm -hmm. when I take time to reflect on the state of the world and where we are today with technology and other things, you know, we're, we're connected through technology, but we're as disconnected more than ever. And mm. the rites of passage don't exist the way that they used to. The rituals and ceremonies are not um, honored and celebrated in communities the way that they used to be. And so it's mm. really my mission to help bring ritual and ceremony and the sacred back into everybody's life. And so when we talk about ritual and ceremony, um, I always like to ask guests, you know, what is your ideal morning or evening ritual or ceremony and I say ideal because we're human and things Mm, shift sure but what is your ideal ritual
1: um it's definitely morning more so than evening um okay it's a bit of both but mornings are really important to me because they they set me up for the day like if I don't have that morning time um to do some sort of spiritual practice and and some days it will change on what it is that I do but I do need that to start the day with that so um I at the moment I've been practicing for this year learning how to practice swara yoga which is all about the breath and it's all about aligning the breath it's really like this this practice is really sacred and It's only just being taught. Um, When I went to India to research the book in earlier this year it was through some people that I met there the yoga teacher in the ashram who introduced me to his swami who is one of the only people teaching swara yoga because anyway it's a long story but the fact is it's a really incredible opportunity to practice this thing which is all about the breath and what you have to do is you have to align your breath with the sunrise and the sunset every day, and the um, and that and that changes where how your breath should be changes depending on where the moon is in um, in the cycle of the month. So it's a kind of living. It's a living uh, practice in like you do it all the time every day but you have to start the damn thing with sunrise so at the moment now my morning ritual involves getting up an hour before sunrise doing uh, seriously I I am it's not something I can keep up every day but when I can manage it my day goes so much better Mm. aligning my breath to whatever the thing is that day and doing this practice and then doing some meditation with the sunrise wow. i know i know and wow. like at the moment it's not too bad because the sun's rising at 7 a.m so getting up at 6 or 6 15 isn't such a big deal well you know comparatively yep. but when i started practicing this in april this year it was like a 4 a.m start Oof. and that was hardcore hardcore mm-hmm. dedication you know, and I, over the summer, it went to, it went, it went west, but then I've started up again, um, because I've got so much to do at the moment, I need to know that my day is going to go well, so
0: yeah.
1: that's a really important ritual. Um,
0: but what does that I mean? mean? I'm so, I'm so intrigued, like, yeah, how, how are we aligning our breath with the sunrise?
1: Oh, it's really complex, I can't really, like, that would be a whole other thing and i'm just a beginner i've only just uh-huh. got the basics down and even then i'm still learning so much but it's to do with when we breathe it's um if you put your hands over your no- your nose you'll notice that the, the the breath is either coming out the left or the right nostril left right, right. okay so that's actually something that you need to change at different times of day. Oh, wow. For different, for different activities, depending on the day. So today I had to start the day with the right side because that was where the moon was. Right. It, it's so complicated. And then within your nose, there's five different areas which relate to the elements. I'm not, to that, I'm not advanced yet. I can't even get to that yet. I'm still in the, which side is it? Right. But this is what, this is what my practice is involving at the moment is getting this in tune every day. Oh. So it's like energy work, but like next level stratospheric energy work now. So it's everything I've been doing for 20 years, but now I'm on the next level where I'm aligning to the sun and the moon and the universe. So wow. <laughs> this is now what I'm, I'm, I'm working on. This is my ritual in the morning. I bond- love it.
0: I think that there's so it's, much wisdom in our breath. I think there's so much yeah. to uncover there. And, and even yeah. just knowing, you know, like, I think popular, um, you know, breath practices that people might relate to is like alternate yeah. nostril breathing. It sounds like it's yes. almost like next level. Yes. Alternate nostril.
1: Yeah, it's because it's not about, it's, a diff, it's different to pranayama it's a different thing to pranayama, which is obviously when you do your breathing exercises in yoga, this is different. My Swami calls it the hardware that all the software is linked to this practice. So anyway, so this, my, my mornings, on a good day, I get that right mm-hmm. and I start the day
0: mm-hmm. with the
1: right breath. Um, but even if I didn't, I have to start the day with some either some self-healing or some meditation, like it's got to be 15 minutes, 20 minutes in the morning. And that's when you say real,
0: self-healing, what, what are you yeah. doing to your self-healing?
1: So that's basically uh, self-Reiki. So Reiki is a form of energy healing. And um, this is the thing I learned first. And when I started on the spiritual path, I learned Reiki. And it's just become normal to, to put my hands on myself and in what you do is you, you set an intention for Reiki to flow and then it just flows and then your body will draw it in where it needs it. Um, and it's like, it's like a self care
0: mm-hmm.
1: wellness practice. Um, and again, it, it relaxes you, it re- regenerates cells, it calms the mind, calms the body, calms the spirit. It, um, supports your own natural healing. If you, if you are sick in any way, um, and it raises your vibration. So if you do this in the morning, you know, your day's already going to be, it's going to be in a much better place because your vibration is in a good place so that then life will mirror you as you know, you know, life is a mirror. So then you start on a good foot and then you draw in that for the rest of the day as well. So I I try to do things that are going to set me up for success in that respect energetically speaking
0: absolutely and
1: I think some
0: of us probably do this kind of intuitively like even just something as simple as putting your hands on your heart you know that's a really great way if you want to try Reiki out or try just a little bit of self-care self-healing you know hands on the heart and then just setting a prayer or asking for you know divine energy to flow through you that's I think a very attainable thing that people probably already do or it's like maybe it's your throat if you feel like you You know, need a little bit more love there, so you can speak more lovingly or truthfully. You know, um, so I think totally. that's amazing that you do that in the mornings. Anything else after that?
1: Ideal morning. I'd like ritual? to have a decaf coffee. Um, decaf. Yeah. So I used to like to have a coffee. I don't know if you remember when we were training together. It was like our. It was the thing, wasn't it? Someone brought a cafetiere and she was like the most popular person in the group. Yes. <laughs> and then she had real coffee. But um, I've managed to weed myself off coffee with caffeine because it's just too. In... Mm-hmm. I'm apparently the reason for this is because I have a lot of Vata energy uh, in Ayurvedic, the yes. um, yeah. Ayurvedic dosha mm-hmm. speak. So I'm already a bit like that. The last thing I need is more of it. So um, yeah. I've managed to wean myself off, but I like the ritual of the cafetiere, the smell, the waiting for it to boil, the pouring. Yeah. I realized that I liked all of that, even without the caffeine. Yes, absolutely. So I now do all of that, but with a decaf and it, it seems to hit the spot anyway. Oh, perfect. Of the ritual aspect, You know?
0: Exactly, and we talk a lot about that. I mean, I too love my morning beverages, whether that's tea or coffee, and and just yeah. the sacred ritual of preparing your morning yes. drink. You know what? No matter what it is, I find it to be so enjoyable. And yeah, you can swap out the caffeine every once in a while. I try and do that yeah. just to kind of, you know, test what my body is needing at the time. Um, yeah, so yeah, love the morning the morning rituals with any sort of warm beverage. I think that's such a great way to to connect as well Um, anything else that sounds like a beautiful morning ritual anything
1: in the evenings evenings um I'm less uh, I have to say evenings tend to just because I work for myself I have very poor boundaries of when that ends um I mean look at this now like I got Mm -hmm. back from the clinic and now I'm doing a podcast and it's Mm -hmm. you know late in the evening like but that's just how it is you do whatever you want to do when it's when it's time to do it yeah um so evenings are less i could do better let's say but what i on a good evening the phone will be in another room Mm -hmm. it will not be in the bedroom at all it will be plugged in in another room and i will get into bed and read a book or we do some reading like on paper not on a kindle not on anything like that not audible like paper yeah. and I mean I've been doing this the last couple of nights because I've been in my own flat because I wasn't here for a month and I've been enjoying you know I put this um oh what do you call them like the atomizer thing you know you put water and essential oils and it pumps out this lovely mist yeah into it the diffuser. Yeah exactly one of those so I've got that with some lovely um, ilang and geranium coming off on of the left and mm. I've got this lovely warm lighting and I've just been sitting in bed a couple of crystals either side and just reading and then going to bed. And I've done that the last couple of nights and it's just been wonderful. Oh, so in a that. day that would be my nighttime ritual.
0: Yeah and that's so important it's such a nice reminder to kind of unwind and get the technology out of the room. You know, I think we're right. so kind of attached to our devices that the sooner you can put the phone away and charge it in a different room and turn it off, yeah. the better, yeah. you know, and I think that, um, I just watched an amazing documentary um, called The Social Dilemma on Netflix about okay. kind of how we're all addicted to our cell phones and all of the technology behind that. But it was another just reminder of yeah. acknowledging technology for the benefits that it has. And like right now we're able to connect and you're in London, and I'm it's here in California, but then once work is done, work is done, you know, and to put that away and get outside and get in nature, yeah, um, that's such a great sick. reminder. Yeah. Okay, so we, I have so many different places I want to take this chat. Like, I want to talk about the calmery. I want to talk about Mm -hmm. you leaving fashion and stepping fully into healing work. I want to talk about your book. So we have lots of different topics to dive into. Um,
1: So where do you want to start? Um, Well, maybe we could do it chronologically, leaving fashion, I suppose. Let's start at the beginning. So let's actually do this. I want to know
0: how ritual and ceremony has kind of played a big part in your own healing journey. And so maybe kind of fashion weaves into that, but like how, how has waking up to your spiritual healing practice kind of allowed you to like embark on this healing journey? How has ritual been kind of at the heart of that?
1: I suppose because because it was always this side thing, it was always a hobby, It it was never the main thing. It was always my private happy place. So I always had a job and friends and a life and a family life that had nothing to do whatsoever with the spiritual practices that I was learning or getting into and it felt like it was my private my private, um, mental, emotional, spiritual place, as well as when I would go to retreats with my Reiki family, it would have nothing to do with anyone else. It was private, it was mine and I owned it. And so from a, I think that became my ritual of what I would do, you know, with my holidays or with my weekends or with my evenings. Outside of everybody else and the other commitments and the other life and the other mm-hmm. hats that I had to wear daughter, sister, employee, cool friends, you know, disco dancer, whatever, all of those other hats. Then I, this was my private ritual, but within my life, if you see what I mean. So I think yeah. that's where it fitted in. And then, of course, I had my practice. I don't recall how rigid I used to be because I, it was never that important. It was always just a hobby that it was just there. But yeah, I used to do self healing all the time actually because it helped me um, just handle everything else pretty much. I guess it was like my what's that? Um, oh God, what's that pill that people take when they're, they're anxious? Is it diazepam? Xanax? xanax something like that it was like my spiritual xanax so when things were getting hectic or stressful or too much i I would just be able to do my healing on myself and calm myself down so in a sense that was my ritual that was my
0: yeah. And that makes total sense. So how, so how, so it sounds like you have this kind of side thing that was for you yeah. to do kind of along your life, right? It was very private yeah. to you. And yes. you would dedicate a lot of time doing that, that connection to your healing path. Meanwhile, you're working in this corporate, very mm-hmm. high fashion global brand environment. Mm-hmm. Um, and I really relate to that kind of duality um, that you, yeah. that you've, lived through and you've gotten to the other side on so maybe you can just share with the listeners like how it was for you to be working in in fashion for so many years and then having this private healing ritual um that was kind of there coaxing you along like what Mm. happened how did you finally leave fashion or why um
1: I didn't really decide to do it I think I have a feeling that the world decided I had to do it in a way. Like I never even wanted to teach. Like I had no, I was always really into my fashion world. That was always what I wanted to do. I decided that was what I wanted to do. And then I was really into it. And I didn't even, I only did my teaching qualification for Reiki because my teacher said, just do it. is in 2008. And I didn't like unfinished modules because I'm Indian and I like certificates. <laughs> you know what I mean? I like, I like finishing it all off, like having that unfinished oh, yeah. module would have been irritating. So I just did it so that I could say I'd, I'd finished it, but I had no intention of using it. Um, but I think, you know, when you've practiced something for more than a decade, like it was coming on, it was only five years ago that I really considered that maybe it was more important to me than the fashion I think what happened was it it just, the importance of them started changing in my world but it started happening very subtly and um you know they say when the when the teacher is ready the students will come kind of thing well mm-hmm. the students started coming and I was batting them away like I remember this girl I met her and I was talking to her I was in some ha- some house party at like 3am and she said oh I want you to teach me Reiki I think it must have come up in conversation I was just like oh well you know what I don't really think so uh, but she said well you you've, you can teach can't you I said well I suppose technically I could but I've never done it and I don't really you're better off going to someone who knows more about it and has had experience and I gave her loads of recommendations and she just was just like no I want you to do it hmm. And I kind of, she wouldn't really, she wouldn't take no for an answer. And I realized, I like, suddenly understood, oh, actually, you've been sent. And I'm being, I'm being pushed, like, nud- well, I say nudged, encouraged strongly mm-hmm. to, to take this on. Yeah. And then I think that's what encouraged me. And, and I said to her, look, you know what, I'm going to have my notes in front of me. I don't really know how to do this. She's like, I don't mind. And she was just totally cool with it. So I found someone else to join her and we did it in my front room. And then after that, I was like, oh, okay. And then things started moving. And then this is all whilst I still had a job. And then more people started coming and then more people started asking for home sessions, Mm -hmm. which I started doing a bit more. And then it just started growing really slowly. And And also fashion was becoming less enjoyable because the world of retail was becoming more, more pressured.
0: Mm. You
1: had to deliver more every year. And also at that point, people were wanting to buy less. So society was changing. People's consumer habits were changing, but the demands of the industry were not changing. They were growing. So they were actually in conflict with what was actually happening. So it became more and more stressful to be in those positions um, yeah. and then I got a really good gig one year doing, um, I went to New York and I met a bunch of really amazing women, one in particular who was running a cool platform called The Numinous, um, her name is Ruby and I'd always thought that spiritual people were a bit naff and. Um, oh, I think I've read her book. Yeah, that's right, Ruby Warrington. She's written two books. She's. Um, what what she's is the. Really, book? I think we've talked about her before, haven't we? Like, I don't know if we have, but I feel like I just. Read, not. No,
0: but I've read her but book she, and I follow her on Instagram, and I feel like does, yeah. does she do
1: a lot of work around alcohol? Yes, yeah, Sober Curious is her book. She is. A leader of the sober curious movement anyway but I met her through a friend and she was cool and glamorous and sexy and she was into all spiritual stuff and tarot and crystals and she had this platform and and I was like oh my god you can be all of these things because back in the UK my I used to do Reiki, I was the youngest person in the whole of my Reiki group. Like all the women were really lovely, but they were much, much older than me. Mm. And we had very different lives, you know, very different lives, completely different lives, but we we joined together with our love of Reiki. But aside Mm -hmm. from that, we had nothing really in common. Um, But then I found these women in New York and then I had so much in common with them. And I kind of found my tribe in a way and I was like, oh, I can be all of these things. It's okay, it's allowed. I'm allowed to embrace all these facets at once. And then that was when I started telling people about the Reiki because I hadn't really told anyone that was what I did. So I started coming, being honest a bit more and I told my boss that was what I was doing. And I started to actually step into my authentic self, I think is probably the right way of putting it. Mm. And then once I did that, that's when everything changed. Mm. because I was being honest about who I really was rather than just hiding it but I hadn't really been honest with myself to be honest I had just I was just doing it and I didn't really think that was me I thought all the fashion was me but I didn't think that was me but what started happening was I realized that that was probably more me than the fashion right and I started to discover that that really was the true me the one that connected to spirit and animals Mm -hmm. and nature and elements and all of that, that was actually the true me. And then the, 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 you know, the weighing scales changed, you know, the, Mm -hmm. the, um, the importance started changing the shift. So I, yeah, I got this gig doing healing at a festival in an island in Croatia. And that was a turning point as well, because I'd never really been doing it publicly before. And then I think then it just started snowballing and then I, the seed was, was put in my head and I started to realize, oh, this is probably, this is, this is probably the thing I want to be more remembered for than, you know, what's my legacy as well? Like, I think you get mm-hmm. to a certain point in your life and you start to wonder, what am I here for? Yeah. What will I be remembered for? Like, is it going to be that I sold a lot of handbags for a very big company and I was very good at that is that what I want on my tombstone or you know my mm-hmm. my epitaph no not really there's definitely more to it and then when I started to think about life in that perspective you know um I think age also helped you start to realize that you have yeah life isn't infinite and you've mm-hmm. got so much life left and what is it you're going to spend the next decades on you spent the last two decades doing this what comes out are you going to go for like try and be vice president are you going to try and get to the top of the company then what spend more time working is that what you want you're already a director what you're just going to keep going up the ladder and what is that what's that going to mean for your lifestyle is that what the life you want and I realized no it isn't actually um and when I looked at it that way, I realized the life I wanted was the one I had on the island in Croatia when I was like communing with trees and <laughs> the elements, you know? Yeah. And I was like, oh, actually that was when I was my happiest. Oh God. Okay. So I need to think about this. And th- it was lots of things like that that came together. And then, and then there was a really per- perfect moment when my company was being bought and it was a sort of moment where I thought do I really want to move on with the new owners and fight to be a part of the new team mm-hmm. and then start a whole new chapter with the new corporate owners or is this a perfect moment to to leave and start my own thing up and I went for the latter so it, that was how the karma was born and also because I felt like there was a gap in the market for a healing brand that that communicated healing in a very down-to-earth way. At the time, there really wasn't that in the market. It was uber-spiritual or mm-hmm. uber-hippie. Mm-hmm. And I felt what was missing was something for people who are just taking that first step from normal life and dipping their toe, and they don't want to be frightened away by stuff that's too out there. Yep. And I felt that there was a gap for that place, for that person... And maybe somebody who isn't into looking at mandalas and that full-on you know you know the very kind of very very spiritual iconography and that sort of thing yeah. but they like what it will do for them mm-hmm. and i'm sure that later on they will get into that later but the very first yeah. threshold that very first gateway gateway mm-hmm. drug so to speak is it needs to be really easy to understand and easy to digest and I thought I think I can do that because I've got so much experience with marketing and branding I feel like I'm I'm the person for the job you know yeah yeah so so that was what I thought I can bring everything together I can use everything that I was and everything that I am and put it all together and create something of my own and that Mm -hmm. was how the Calmery was born
0: oh my goodness what an amazing story and I feel like everything that you just described is really so much of the ethos of return of ritual right it's like yeah. remembering who you really are and i think mm-hmm. you just described that so beautifully of this kind of pivotal moment in your life when you had to kind of you know weigh up the different scales like you described like do i want to continue in this high fashion corporate job or you know do i want to do something that's really my soul's calling and i think through that remembrance, you know, um, you really got on the trajectory of what you're meant to do on this planet. And so that's really what return of ritual is all about is helping more people do exactly what you have done. And so I think you were just like the perfect person to be talking to about this because you've (laughs) done it right. And you're on the other side. And, um, and so what I'd love to kind of talk about a little bit more is a couple things like for people who who haven't quite figured it out like how did you really know in your bones and in your heart that the sushma that was in croatia communing with nature was really who you were versus what society was really acknowledging you for and saying keep going you were really good at selling these handbags and you're getting promoted and your mom and dad approve of you and like all of this social feedback that you were getting how Mm. did you really stand firm and know in your heart of hearts actually it's this sushma that i want to be
1: like how did you really know that it was a different sort of happiness if you, it was a different sort of happiness. It was a real teary happiness, mm-hmm. you know, that I felt that I would feel when I mm-hmm. was doing this work. It wasn't a surface happiness. It was a very deep happiness. And that was the difference. Like, there's a happiness about making people proud of you that makes you happy to make your parents proud. It makes you happy to know that you can achieve the things you set out to do. Of course, that makes you happy. But the kind of happy that I was getting from the healing work and connecting to spirit ultimately is what it is. It was profound and it was deep and it would move me. It would move my bones Mm
0: -hmm. and it
1: would make me cry.
0: Mm.
1: And I wouldn't really have the words for it. And that was a completely different thing. And I didn't know that that could actually be everything.
0: Yeah.
1: But then I, you know, you know what I mean? You know what I, I can mean?
0: Feel, I can feel what you're saying. Like I could totally yeah. feel it in my body. And I, yeah. and I think that that's such a beautiful way to describe it. Like a teary happiness, like a weepy happiness. Yeah. You really, oh my gosh, thank you for sharing that. Because I think that that is so insightful and can be almost like a compass for people who are trying to get that read you know cuz let's be real you really know what you're here to do and why you're here people know yeah. right in their heart of hearts but we've been um programmed or filters have kind of gotten in the way from our upbringings and from our ancestral lineage yeah. and all of those things that are just causing a little confusion and so wow what a beautiful offering that you just shared with us that if you can connect to that that real happiness almost like if it if it elicits that sort of happiness in you then you're heading in the right direction i think that that's kind of what you're saying
1: yeah it's a real depth of emotion that you will that you will feel when you're doing the thing that is your soul's calling
0: Mm.
1: whatever that thing is you know and i was reading a book about ikigai Um, in my bedroom bedroom ritual the other night and um there was there's one way of looking at it which is always about your work finding the thing that you're good at that you can be paid for that the world needs and um oh there's one other thing hang on What, what the world needs what you can be paid for what you're good at Oh god, I've forgotten about it. Profession.
0: Does it bring you like a little joy or something? It,
1: yeah, it, that's it. Brings you joy. Yeah, that one. Joy. Yeah, and um, and then the woman who wrote the book is actually Japanese, and she said that in Japan they don't even think of it as work. They it could be a hobby, it mm. could be something like looking after your kids and watching them grow up. That could be your ikigai. So. I, I feel though, you know, people shouldn't feel like they have to give up their job and chase the other thing and make huge changes that may not be sustainable and may end up stressing them out more. A lot of people can can have everything and they can be in different boxes. Do you know what I mean? Like I did the big thing and made it all my life. Mm-hmm. But I don't think you have to. You can... You can have a job and have your passion and have them as separate things. Yeah. And still gain as much and have a a legacy to bring, and all those other things that I talked about. Um,
0: Yes. And, And I think what you're touching on there is like it doesn't have to be either or. It can no. be and, right? So it's like yes, I, yes. if you're in a corporate job and you're afraid to be a, a family like have kids because you think you can either have well I can either have my career or I have to be a family you know mom. Yeah, it's it's saying well you actually can have both and you can be a corporate person and have a family, or yes. you get to a point where you realize well maybe my priorities have shifted now and I want to focus more on this and less on that. But that is yes. a nice reminder for people is that it's not black and white. And that we can create these lives and lifestyles that, you know, maybe you love animals. And so starting your own dog walking business would bring you great joy on the weekends, but then you still work during the week. Like it can be, um, it can be whatever you really want it to be. I think is what you're saying.
1: Absolutely. Yeah. And I think, um, what I found as well was thinking about what I was already, like rather than throwing the baby out with the bathwater, you know, having spent, you know, 15 years working for brands and in fashion and dedicating all that time and effort into pursuing that. I would, I didn't want to just throw it all away. I wanted to use that and make that my, you know, everybody has their own mix of what they are that's unique to them. And I think it's really important to, when you're thinking about what you should do, is to really think about what you are in in totality and then make the things that you do use what you are because only you, you know, you've heard this before, only you can do you. No one else can do you in in the the wonderful mix of things that you are or that you know about or that you've had experience of. And so then if you, you know, you're doing your dog walking, but maybe there's something else that you bring you know, maybe you're a pianist and you and you play the music you know and it's like you're able to mix the things all together in a lovely yeah, mishmash and like um, dog therapy <laughs> yeah exactly like yeah, I, sound bath. <laughs> totally but you know what do you know what i mean like this you yes. can find this wonderful way to merge all the different facets mm-hmm. that make you you and and create something unique from that yes um, And that's another way of, of, of working out what you can do is to see what you, what you are already.
0: I love that. And what a beautiful invitation. And maybe that's like, you know, sitting down with a cup of tea or doing a little meditation and just writing a little timeline of your life, you know, like what, what makes you, you, and you know, where did you grow up and what influence did you have? And, you know, um, what did you study in school and what were a couple of your jobs and, life experiences, and then just kind of look at it and go, oh, because I doubt many of us have actually looked at all of the life experience that we've gathered up into this point. So that's, I think, yeah. a beautiful exercise that somebody could embark on as they're just kind of sitting with maybe these feelings that they might have of, yes. of spirit calling them. Yeah. And like they want to answer, but maybe they're just a little tepid. They don't quite know where to go next. I think that that's a nice invitation. The next thing that you said a while back, um, which I want to understand a little bit more of, is the time where the the companies were shifting, right? So you were being bought yeah. out. There was like that natural transition yeah. that was happening. Because you said earlier, you know, you didn't really make the decision to to go. It was almost like it's spirit was calling you, and you were answering, and yeah. it was just a natural thing. So. Yeah what are your thoughts on, do people necessarily have to make the bold decisions or do you feel like things will eventually line up for people that yeah. they'll be ushered into doing whatever that is? Like, what are your personal thoughts on that?
1: I think it all just happens. You know, like when you don't know what to do, if you do nothing, it tends to just all happen anyway. <laughs> um, I I think that, I think if you've It's, I had, I think I'd made a decision in my heart that I want, that I was, I wanted to leave when I was in the island in Croatia, but I definitely wasn't brave enough to say it out loud. And I had no idea about the why's the wherefores, when, how, how I'd survive, what I'd do. I had no idea about any of that, but I just kind of knew going back to this corporate box with no windows, just my heart was going no this isn't right so i think i'd sent the arrow out at that point and the universe then started sorting out the details at that point and i didn't know what the details were going to be but i'd already sent my heart desire out even if it was subconsciously at that time and then i think i just sat back and watched what happened and I was given all of the information and the signs and interestingly you know the time that I left was it couldn't have worked out better the timing how it went um the circumstances in which I left and then how I was able to set up the comment it actually could not have worked out better I don't think I could have planned it Mm. had I sat down and planned it that way So, and even, you know, the book as well, like there's been so many things with the book that I, if I had planned them, they wouldn't have worked out that well. Right. It just sort of all dropped into place. And I think that when you figure out what makes you truly happy and you send that, you know, that arrow, I feel like it's like an arrow of desire or intention out there, you just have to be alert to the signs. And just be really aware of what's what you're being shown, what you're being told, who you're meeting, what's coming your way, because all of the signs yeah. will be there coming at you,
0: mm-hmm. and
1: you just have to know that they're coming and to watch out for them, basically. Yeah, yeah, watch out for them. And I I love how you just shared
0: something so human earlier, where you know, you were being sent clients and you were swatting them away, right? <laughs> it's like, you know, it's really being paying attention to who are those people that are coming to you and asking for yeah. things that might make you feel a little out of your comfort zone because it's stretching you to kind of get you where you need to be, yeah. um, but being vigilant almost and just being, being receptive as well. Like even if you are a little out of your comfort zone, like you said, you know, I'm gonna have my notes in front of me, you know, being very human and humble, with with when the universe or source or god whoever that is for you is sending you those messengers from a from mm-hmm. beyond to help you yeah And i love your analogy of the the bow and arrow you know it's almost like you're shooting the arrow out and then the universe is like arranging the target for you it's like no matter where you're
1: shooting it i will be there
0: and it will be <laughs> full time
1: <laughs> absolutely that is i think when it's right the universe will get right behind you if you yeah, I really, and it doesn't always happen, but yeah, it's about like aligning yourself with the thing that you've asked for.
0: Yeah, And, and so, okay, so thank you. So you've talked a little bit about, you know, the knowing that you wanted to do this work. And then you've talked about kind of your departure from the fashion world and the universe completely supporting you and aligning you and then here you are with the Calmery and this beautiful mm-hmm. brand and this um, very approachable kind of down to earth, you know, vibe. How is that going? I mean, you're working in London. You have a beautiful clinic mm-hmm. space on Harley Street. Like, mm-hmm. you know, how what services do you offer? How can people get in touch with you? Yeah. Um, talk about that a little bit.
1: So I'm so excited. Actually, today was my first clinic day after lockdown after lockdown i literally haven't had the clinic open since well the beginning of the year so i went yeah and i have a lovely new space which is really lovely um so it's yeah people can book one-to-one healing sessions on the site um that's just yeah you just go on the site find your session book your day and and book it um I was doing a thing called Healing Club, which I've paused for now, which was a weekly Saturday a group healing workshop for people. I started it sort of beginning of lockdown and then I turned it into a sort of a ticket thing after a few months. It was free for the first few months, like i just on a pure service to the, to the nation type mm-hmm. thing. And then that became an undoable. Then it became ticketed and I did that for the whole of the summer. Wow. But, there's so much going on right now that I've paused it but I will bring it back in some form it might be monthly it might be a membership thing I don't know but it's just paused for now and then there's workshops coming up um but I've got lots of events coming up around the book
0: yes which we need to talk about yes
1: so, Your lovely book,
0: which you've ventured to India to, to yes. really get to the source. And I'm yeah. so happy. That this just seems so in alignment with you. And so the book is called Essential Chakras, Find Your Flow. Yes. Can you talk to us about, you know, how did you decide to write a book?
1: How did this all happen? <laughs> yeah, I, uh, yeah, it was quite a journey. I, I'd i always thought that I would love to write a book someday, but I had no idea how one might do that what it would be about I just thought it was you know it's about I retire one day or something like that it's one of those things you know those pipe dreams yeah um but then I did a trend talk in I think it was 2018 and I got approached by a publisher after that and and then I got approached by an and then I didn't I kind of didn't quite believe at that point that I could do it, and I was tasked with writing a proposal. and it, And it took me a while to get the confidence, actually, to really believe that I could do that. Even though someone was asking me to write a proposal, I didn't really have enough confidence or self belief. I felt I've, I had total imposter syndrome. I just didn't mm. feel like I, I knew I could do it. So it took me a very long time to get my shit together actually um in the meantime a few other publishers came knocking as well and you go go again yeah that's what happened like I I was just like oh I can't I can't do this I'll just hide from it for a bit and I didn't do my homework basically and then more publishers came knocking so the dream was like knocking at the door going no no you can do this you can do this look more people want you to write one so so by the end of it I think I found an agent <clears throat> a friend introduced me to somebody who was an agent and then i got an agent and she at that point it became a bit more real because i didn't actually have any help up, up until that point and then she was supporting me as well and then <clears throat> i wrote a proposal i wrote another proposal and we were touting those around but then a publisher who was doing a series it was called the now age series mm um they approached me to to write the energy book of the series because there's one on astrology there's one on ayurveda there's one on um plants and um, plant medicine and mm-hmm. something like that mm-hmm. so there's six of them and then i got approached so whilst mm-hmm. i was beavering away with ideas for my own book i got approached to write the, the book of this series amazing which, so it was kind of like oh yeah okay I so it was like I had this book thing going on but then I didn't know that I was going to be approached to write that book wow so that's how it ended up happening and then I got I signed to write that book and that book was the one that's coming out um and 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 it just sort of it just fell on my it felt like it just happened quite quickly but the build-up to that was about a year of me feeling like an imposter (laughs) do you know what I mean yeah Um, really having to find my um confidence and Mm. self-belief and it was only when I I I found that that the the actual thing happened like and actually it actually happened for, for real and there was a contract and it was like bam this is happening so um i felt like that whole journey was a lot to do with me believing that i could actually do this um so that was it my own personal journey yeah if i'd started off full of self-belief i think i probably would have written that proposal in the first month and then it would have been bam but it took me all that time i suppose like you say like the teaching as well like i'm a quite Mm -hmm. a slow i think i'm a bit of a slow burner person it takes me ages to <laughs> like I come up I'm like tada I've done it but it didn't all just happen overnight it was all like there was a, a bit of a build-up yeah with the book with everything there's been a build-up it, it didn't mm. just happen it happened gradually Um. so that was what happened with the book and then I signed and that was in um. Christmas just before Christmas last year late last year and then I went off and I researched and started writing and, and then lo and behold, when I got back from my trip to India, it was lockdown. So I ended up writing the book in full lockdown. It wow. became like an unofficial writing retreat. It did. <laughs> Which was great because I had no yeah. distractions. I couldn't go anywhere. Oh my goodness.
0: I... I am just so um, inspired by this because it sounds like as soon as you cast that little bow and arrow out, which yeah. you had done, right? Okay. And you thought, oh, maybe later in my life, you know, I'll get around to writing a book. But the point here is you cast the arrow out, right? Oh, I'd like to do that one day. And then you were just allowed, right? So that's that being in that state of allowance and- yeah. Receptivity, and then the people started coming. So you're obviously in the flow, which is amazing. I want to talk about people who maybe who have done the same thing, but they're not getting the messages, right? Because I can sense that there's a big group of people out there that are like, "Well, I'm very clear on what I want, and like, it's not coming, it's not happening." Um, So I want you to maybe comment a little bit on that.
1: Um, Yeah, yeah, comment on that first. I will. So I, when I let go of it is when it actually happened so it, it there was a bit of a, an emotional roller coaster because i went down the road with one publisher for something another project and it and it didn't happen at the end and that was very very soul destroying and quite crushing because mm-hmm. i really thought i was so into the idea and i'd put all this work in and it had been months and i was like oh I really felt like it was gonna happen and then it didn't and I was really quite gutted and then at that point I thought oh you know what I'm just gonna maybe this is just not a not a not now and I'm just gonna let it go for now and detach myself from this the desire i would become quite attached to the idea of it and when I let go completely that was when it plopped on my lap Mm. But I had to get to the point where I was just like, I can't take this anymore before I could let go. Yeah. So I think there may be something in, you know, when you're gripping onto something too tightly, mm. it, it's not, it doesn't allow any flow of energy because it kind of stagnates it. So when you have to let things, you just release. When you release, your, you send out your desire, but then you release yourself from any particular outcome.
0: Mm-hmm. It's
1: so hard to do this because our desires are our desires, and that's why they're desires because you want them. <laughs> yeah. By their nature. Yeah. But then, when you want them too much, you can you can block the flow of the energy that will bring them to you.
0: Hmm.
1: Yeah. Which is like a kind of it's ironic, isn't it? Yeah. The more you want something, the less likely you are to get it because you mm-hmm. can actually stem stop the flow of the energy of, of the alignment. So You kind of have to go, I really want this, Mm -hmm. and then let go, like stop gripping it, and then just kind of let go of it,
0: yeah,
1: and be okay with whatever happens next. And when you find peace and acceptance with whatever happens, Mm -hmm. then get the thing that you let go of, yeah.
0: Oh, I totally see it, and I think it's a journey it is such a journey. And I think so many people can like really get that in theory, you know, and can hear us talk about it and be like, I totally am bought in, but really like putting it into practice is like the hardest so part. Hard. But so I think hard. that it's also what you've described so nicely is that it's all a part of the journey, right? Yeah. So like you had to really gain confidence about your writing abilities or whatever it was. And like you mm-hmm. went through that whole thing, which is really like probably the purpose right, for you to be like embarking on that journey to then get to this yeah. place where you're about to publish your book, um, and so that could be part of it too for people, is that, you know, you have to kind of go through whatever it is that you're going through yeah. to get you through to the other side, um, so I think that that's just a nice reminder for all of us, is that, you know, stay in the step that you're in, almost, and,
1: yeah, and I, uh, I think things will, things will come but they'll come when it's right for you not necessarily when you think it's right for you yes do you know what i mean (laughs) and (laughs) it's life we always we learned this didn't we at shamanic school that there is a a bigger map of our lives Mm -hmm. and when we're down on the ground we don't know it or see it Mm -hmm. and you have to go back up to that ego perspective to stand back and go this is just one tiny moment in a, a lifetime. Yeah. It's just a tiny blip. It's a moment. Mm. Anything can happen. Stand back and, and, and give it up to spirit basically. Um, yeah. I mean, I remember standing in the river Ganges and here's another example of when this happened. I was feeling so happy in India being the mountains and being by this holy river and being in this ashram and meditating every day and doing yoga Mm -hmm. and i'm feeling like i've gone home in a way that i've never experienced before and then this idea it was a bit like the the island in abijan and thinking of going back to work in the box the idea of going back to london and being in a city Mm -hmm. and Living in a flat that's noisy by a big road, and all this stuff was just like going. <gasps> mm-hmm. I was starting to really recoil at the thought. Yeah, and I thought something has to give because this doesn't feel right anymore. There feels like a conflict, right? And I thought, but well, how's this going to work? Because I live in London, my business is in London, mm-hmm. all my friends are in London.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: I don't, I can't live in an ashram forever you know, how's this going to work? I, I don't want to move to the countryside on my own. Like, I don't I don't know how this is going to come together, but I know that something has to give. And in the end, I just thought, oh, you know what? You take it. And I said to the river, I was like, you know what? Can you please sort this out? You just deal with it. You figure it out because I don't know how to. I just know that something has to give. And then you will not believe how quickly she sorted it out on my return to England within a week I'd gone to see my parents to say say hi and then we went into lockdown and then I kind of realized I would need to stay with them and I stayed with them for four months in suburbia in the near the countryside and I was out of London for four months and it's I got my amazing. fill of green. Do you know what yes. I mean? I could actually yes. see the river. Will you just sort this out for me? Mm-hmm. I need a break from the city. And then that is what happened. <sighs> I, I kid you not.
0: Oh my gosh. I, I, that's just such a beautiful example and a great reminder for all of us that you know, I just think about my own life too, you know, things that I think that need to happen in the next couple of months. And then really, it's like, I'm not, I'm not really in the driver's seat here. Yeah. You know, like the, there's somebody else kind of got their hands on the wheel. And if I yeah. just let go of the wheel a little bit, you know, it's going to take me where, wherever I need to go. So thank you for just reminding us about, about that. And, um and your book, I just can't wait to to check it out, um, and so thank you, because it sounds like you are offering a free copy of the book when it comes out. Now, I know it comes out in December, um, mm-hmm. but that what a beautiful gift, so thank you for that.
1: My pleasure. Um,
0: we will, so if you guys want to put a comment below, we will select one lucky winner um, to get a copy of that free book. Just leave us a comment, and we can select you that way. Um, and. Gosh, this has been so good. I feel like we've covered so many different things. I think the last question that I have really is just kind of an open-ended question. You know, any last thoughts or any bits of wisdom on your heart that kind of just want to come through before we wrap up today?
1: Something that I read the other day that made me feel quite nice inside was just that there's no rush. There's no rush. Like, we don't have to do anything at any particular time. There really isn't a rush to do anything. Um, That made me feel really nice inside because I felt like I could just relax and about whatever was happening at the speed it was happening.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, It was actually to do with, I embarked on a course uh, for people with their own businesses, entrepreneurs, and and every week they were covering this thing and it was like, retweet your website and get Mm. your customer journey sorted out and this and that. And every week it was like a new piece of information and I couldn't keep up with it. And I haven't done all of those things. And I was feeling quite bad that I hadn't been able to implement all those things every single week. It was just too much. And um, on the last week, the the course leader said, listen, don't worry, you will do those things. And maybe you'll do them over the course of the next year. Just start with one. And it doesn't matter if so-and-so's got three done and you've only got one done, you just do them at your own speed. There is no rush. And I thought, wow, yeah, wow. phew. Right? <laughs> you know, but it's then like, you can apply like, that relief. I like, know, oh. but you can apply that to everything. You can yeah. apply that to life, you mm-hmm. know, that we don't have to do anything at any particular time. We only yeah. put that on ourselves. Yeah. And it, you can just chill out and let things happen when they happen mm-hmm. um, and go with the flow of whatever is, you know, go in your own rhythm, your own flow. And there's no one telling you what is that, isn't what that isn't, only you know that. And yeah, and I love that piece of advice because it makes my heart feel easy and it makes me feel calmer and less mm-hmm. and just a, a lot easier with anything that happens, less pressure on myself. So I yeah. hope that helps anybody else out there who is. An alpha woman who puts a lot of pressure on herself. Oh
0: yes, yes. No, I can. Totally, <laughs> I can personally relate, and I'm sure many people can. And especially during yeah. these unprecedented times, you know, where people feel, you know, probably just a little off kilter. Anyways, you know, I think that's just a great way to take some of the stress and the pressure off. Is just to, you know, no rush. I think that's a great way to end this segment. Mm-hmm. I think it's been amazing chatting with you. I just want to thank you again. Um, so many great nuggets of wisdom. And I will link in the show notes, um, the, the website so that people can get in touch with you that way as well, um, as well as information about your book, which is coming thank soon, you. so congratulations on that. Thank and you, you guys, thank you guys so much for, for tuning in. Please leave us a comment um, below if you like this episode or if you think somebody in your network would really benefit from listening to this chat, um, please pass it along. Thank you guys so much, and
1: we'll see you next time. Thank you, Amber. Thanks, Ishma.